you know, be raffling off at the end of the drive. But most of all, give because it is a good thing to do. This is how we evangelize. You know, maybe you're not comfortable getting in front of a camera or a microphone, you know, or public speaking. But, you know, share the, the blessing, share your prayers, first of all, but then the, the blessings God has given you and cooperate in this effort of evangelization. Catholic Radio is doing an amazing job with that. So, Father Adrian, um, back to your story. We'll be taking a break in about two minutes. But uh, what seminary did you go to, and what was that experience like? I went to St. Vincent's in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. Now, Latrobe is famous for a lot of things, but um, Elizabeth, I think the, the most famous thing about Latrobe is that it's the home of the banana split. The banana split was invented in Latrobe at Strickland's Pharmacy, and so please. Listeners, please do remember that. Also, it's the home of Fred Rogers and Arnold Palmer, the Steelers. And then there is a kind of sudsy beverage that was located there, (laughs) but I can't endorse that on the radio. So anyway, um, so we had a beautiful Benedictine community, St. Vincent Archabbey and Seminary. And it was founded in the uh, 1840s, 1846. And uh, they'd been worshiping on that site since 1790. So first the Franciscans came, and then the the Benedictines came. And it's the largest Benedictine presence in the Western Hemisphere. And uh, in fact, during the suppression of the monasteries in Europe in the 19th century, the great monastic libraries of Europe were moved to St. Vincent's. Very interesting. Um, and I want to pick that up there because I have a few more questions about that period of your life. But before we do that, we got to take a little bit of a break. Uh, from this fall spirit drive here at AM 1160 The Quest. I'm Elizabeth Piccicelli chatting with Father Adrian Ployce. Uh, don't touch that dial. Make sure you pick up that phone, though, 470-508-1160. Make your donation now, and we'll be right back. Hello, this is Father Brian Baker. I'm a priest for the Archdiocese of Atlanta. And I wanted to share with you uh, a favorite prayer of of mine, one that I like to say in a quick moment, which can help throughout a busy day, and it goes like this. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, forgive me, heal me, protect me, sanctify me. Amen. The Quest presents Lesser Known Saints with Ken and Chuck. Tell us about St. Alexis of Rome. Born in the late 4th century, Alexis was the son of a wealthy Roman senator who, along with his wife, were very charitable Christians. His parents' generosity had a profound impact on Alexis, who wished to renounce all of his wealth. His parents, however, had chosen a wife for him. Out of obedience, he obliged them. But on his wedding day, he obtained permission from his bride to leave her. He then fled to Syria, where he lived as a beggar and taught children about God. Twenty years later, Alexis returned to Rome and went as a beggar to his parents' house. They did not recognize him. He lived under their stairs for 17 years. The servants were cruel to him, and he never told his parents who he really was. When he died, his parents found a note telling them who he was and how he had lived his life in penance all for the love of God. His feast day is July 17th, and he is a patron saint of beggars. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. Whenever morality comes up in discussions, some atheists argue the behavior patterns we call morality are merely the product of evolution, naturally selected for the survival of our species. But is this true? The answer is no, and here are some reasons why. First, if it were true God didn't exist and our moral behaviors were merely the product of evolution, well then the dictates of our evolved nature wouldn't express the will of a being beyond man. 
As such, there would be nothing to morally bind man's will and thus no moral obligation. Second, what if the behaviors we judge now as wrong, such as rape and murder, become beneficial for our species in the future? According to the atheistic evolutionary account, they would have to be morally acceptable. But these conclusions are absurd. Moral obligation does exist, and rape and murder will always be wrong. Therefore, evolution is not sufficient to explain morality. I'm Carlo Brusord with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Here at The Quest, we often hear how our programs touch hearts and change lives. Now, more than ever, people need to hear the truth and beauty of the Catholic faith. As a 100% listener-supported station, The Quest relies on monthly donations to stay on the air. Please consider making a monthly donation to The Quest and help us continue to provide inspiring Catholic programming. Monthly donors are the lifeblood of the station. Visit thequestatlanta.com to donate, and thank you for your support. And welcome back to the Fall Spirit Drive at AM 1160, The Quest. I'm Elizabeth Ficicelli. We've been having just a marvelous day. So many wonderful guests and topics. We're here for the Fall Spirit Drive. We're counting on your support today, 470-508-1160. If you're near a computer, you want to make your donation online, simply go to thequestatlanta.com. That's how you do that. Again, one-time gifts, $20 or more a month gifts. That's a St. Gabriel Society, a business underwriter, becoming a founder at a founding member at $100 a month or more. And that's for a three-year period, and we are going to be uh, ending that opportunity at the end of October for founding membership. So it's still time to get in by calling 470-508-1160. Before we return to Father Adrian uh, Ployce and his uh, vocation story, I want to bring to the mic Clarence Burkholder. He's from uh, St. Thomas the Apostle. And he is a volunteer here. And I love to get the volunteers in because, you know, they, they come here at, at you just take their time out of their day to support Catholic Radio. So there's got to be a reason they do that. So, Clarence, first of all, welcome. Thank you. And thank you for all you do. So tell us about how you stumbled upon Catholic Radio and what it's done for your faith walk. Well, it's done lots for me because I, uh, when I first heard a quest coming, I was so excited because it offers so much opportunities for all of us to learn and grow in our faith. And uh, it also helps me in my faith as I listen to people like David Anders or Mitch Pacwa. And I, I love the app that on my phone, the, the Quest app, where I uh, can listen to the radio or to uh, podcasts. It's one way I uh, do my, where I get my teaching to help me grow in my faith. And uh, we also had an information uh, Sunday weekend at our church and I helped out with that. We had made many people aware of the quest. So hopefully they're listening and growing in their faith. And you know what I've yeah. seen in, in all the years I've been doing Catholic radio and spirit drives like this, you know, as, as we have these local testimonials come in and, and say why why they listen to Catholic radio, how mm-hmm. it's worked with them, I see a pattern of, you know, they, they somehow find it, they listen, they mm-hmm. learn, and then it fires them up to start doing something yes. with that conversion or reversion. So, you know, how has that happened in, in your faith walk? What has that mm-hmm. gotten you more involved in or started up? Or Yes, well, well, I'm uh, a St. Paul Street evangelist here in the metropolitan area. I go to about 20 colleges and, uh, and where we share the faith with the students. So what I do with the Quest 
Well, we share the quest with them so they can have the uh, radio and have the education available to them. But it also educates me so I can know my faith better to speak with them. So it's really awesome. So you yeah. are on, is it only on college campuses that you yeah. are doing this? The St. Paul Street Evangelists go, uh, they might go to festivals and, and train stations and things, but I myself only go to colleges, mainly go to colleges. I go to three a week and uh, sp- spend about four to sometimes five hours there and uh, constantly talking to students about the faith. And now, I have a ha- are you going to their, their Catholic groups, clubs, or are you just talking to them on the campus? or you know, well, well, normally we, uh, there's a freedom of expression area, and I get permission. Okay. And we set up a little table, and okay. we have pamphlets, and, uh, and I generate a handout, which includes lots of resources. And one of the primary resources is the quest I have on there, and so that they can uh, learn more. So we, uh, we approach them with a rosary. And say, would you like a free rosary? And then we go from there. We might teach them the rosary. Or we might start talking about faith. It's sort of an icebreaker. So, uh, and this is yeah. Steve Dawson's organization? Yes, it is Steve Dawson's organization. It, you know, I heard yeah. him on Catholic Radio many years yeah. ago, and he was sharing that uh, when, when he was called to, to found this, well, he, was, he kind yes. of was a revert, came back to the faith, and he felt the Lord saying, I want you to evangelize people. And he's like, well, Lord, I'm just this neophyte. I don't really know my faith yet. I'm listening to Catholic Radio. I'm getting educated, but I'm afraid to encounter people. He, he gave out, um, he got inspired to give out miraculous medals for yes. a while, like uh, Maximilian yes. Colby and, and St. Teresa of Calcutta did for a while. He really found that fruitful. But then eventually he started this organization that you're involved in. Yes. So the St. Paul's yeah. uh, Street Evangelization. And I found it uh, interesting that he said he was so afraid at first that mm-hmm. setting up that little table, putting the pamphlets out or the rosaries or whatever, that he was going to get in all these conflicts, you know, people saying, you're attacking him and saying, but he said the far majority of people, at least he encountered in yes. these different cities yes. were people like, oh, you know, what you doing? And asking questions and yes. saying, I'm, I'm a fallen away Catholic. I haven't been to mass in a long time and maybe I should go to mass again. You know, he found yes. them very receptive and not yes. so combative. Is that your experience? That is exactly my experience. They're very receptive and all kinds of people meaning Catholics, Protestants, Buddhists, Hindus, Jews. We talk to them all, and atheists, and they're all like interested, and they sort of sometimes just look at me listening and feeding on what we have to say about Christ and his church. And uh, it's very, uh, it's very, it's wonderful yeah. uh, sharing the faith and bringing Christ and his church to the world. So, well, uh, I love yeah. seeing a Catholic yeah. who's not afraid to go out there yeah. and, and attract people yes. to this beautiful, beautiful yes. uh, church we have. So Clarence yes. Burkholder, do you want to uh, give a shout out to any particular your parish, any group to pick up that phone at 470-508-1160 and make a phone call? Yeah, sure. For St. Paul Street Evangelization or for my parish, which is St. Thomas the Apostle in Smyrna. Yeah. We have a wonderful parish there. And I'd like to shout out for them. So, All right, great. And what are you doing here today? Are you picking up phones or just... Uh... Yes, I'm here at, at the phones and uh, spend a little time in adoration nice. and s- spending some time with my friends here All uh, right. at the Quest here in Roswell. All so, right. Yeah, Clarence yeah. Burkholder, thank you so much for dropping in. Thank you for your help, for your witness to these yes. kids on these college campuses, because yes. they are the future of the church. We need to catch them. We're bleeding hard, you know, losing yes, Catholics at that age. So thank yes. God for what you're doing. And yes. we wish you all the best with that effort. Keep it up and keep listening. Amen. Thanks for having me. All so. right. Thank you, Clara. So Father Adrian, inspirational, huh? Indeed. Yes. Uh-huh. That's great. Witnessing on campuses is so important. It is. Yeah. It and is. Bringing hope bringing joy, bringing love, bringing mercy, 
bringing the good news. So thank you. Thank you, Clarence. Yeah, so much good news. So kind of uh, segueing back uh, to your story, Father, we were uh, talking about Latrobe. And um, I know because you had a, a big philosophy, you know, a lot of philosophy classes prior to that, yes. uh, you, you, your time there was uh, five years, you know, that's yes. a shorter time. Um, and then you were ordained in 1999, which means you are a priest 20 years. 20 years, by That's, the grace of God. That's amen. Right. That is exciting. Yeah. Father Michael, the last hour was 10 years. Uh, you're 20 years. So we're so happy to have you on this show in honor of that uh, milestone anniversary. Uh, so you were, you were talking about St. Vincent and, and, and your ordination. And, you know, I kind of, it was interesting when you said you had gone to St. Vincent Latrobe, um, that your parish, I know first you were at St. Catherine's as a parochial vicar, but yes. you are at St. Vincent's, you know, parish. Yes. Well, first yes. mission, parish, and we'll have you talk about that. But it's so interesting that St. Vincent is tied with your priesthood. Yes, because the St. Vincent Seminary in Latrobe, the patron saint is actually St. Vincent de Paul. Yeah. So, but they just just say St. Vincent. So. And and it was a Benedictine, or it is a Benedictine, but you yes. were not called to Benedictine life. You no, were, no, yeah. I'm a diocesan priest. Yeah. Um, a, Monastic life is a special calling, um, and I, I really loved being at the monastery. Of course, we had separate quarters, but interacting with the monks. And I remember the first uh, the first day I got there, I was just as nervous as a cat in a room full of rocking chairs, and I was very, very anxious. And I remember uh, Father Justin Maitreau, who I think for a time became, uh, I think he became the director of spiritual life there. Um, he greeted me, and he was so warm. And of course, hospitality is so important in the Benedictine life. It should be important in the life of every Christian, but it's particularly important with Benedictines. Greet, greet all as Christ. And so he put me at ease right away, and we eased into the year first with a bunch of kind of social activities so the, the men would get to know each other, get familiar with the area, feel at ease. And uh, so five years of of formation and then ordination and um, what do you remember about your day of ordination? Any highlights that you remember <clears throat> 20 years ago? Well, I, re- I remember the intense joy. I also remember um, a bunch of friends of mine from my undergraduate years being present. And uh, we all were staying in the same hotel. My parents were there. My uh, One of my grandparents was there, my siblings. And this one guy was having, for some reason, he was having a lot of trouble with his necktie. And... Um, and so I was trying to put on my clerical collar, which uh, was brand new and was starched linen and stiff as a board. And I was, you know, nervous and fumbling and and I was helping him with this tie. And I think God has a great sense of humor. So every time I tried to put my collar on, somebody else came in with the need, like either um, they had to. You know they couldn't they couldn't find their sock or something or they you know they they didn't have the right shoes or something and I was running around <laughs> helping my buddies who were all you know adults in their late twenties early thirties kind of running around helping them get dressed it was comical and uh, I think the Lord was saying hey Adrian your your life is about helping people and we're going to start right away and you can just just help your friends get themselves organized to go to your ordination. It started right from day one. Um, You have a fabulous story, and I'm just going to tease it right now because we're going to go to a clip, but in early in your priesthood uh, in 2002 when you went to World Youth Day, and I do want to talk about that, but before we get to that, we're going to take a a, a step over here to listen to a clip. Um, This clip 
that we're going to hear is from Open Line. And Open Line is a program you can hear on the Quest Monday through Friday. It's immediately following the Divine Mercy Chaplet at 3 p.m. Eastern right here on the Quest. So let's just go ahead and give a listen to Open Line. Let us now go over to Scott in Canton, Ohio. Hello, Scott. Hi, Father. Good to talk to you. Oh, thank you. It's I have nice a to question you. about the Hail Holy Queen. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, when it talks about Mary granting mercy, mm-hmm. is that, uh, how do I want to say, does that overstretch her authority as of just intercessor? You know, well, now wait a minute. Think a bit a little. Okay. Um, think back on the Beatitudes. Okay. What what does our Lord say there about mercy? Well, how, how about blessed saying. are the merciful, for they shall obtain oh. mercy. Oh. And so okay. our Lord expects human beings to be merciful. In fact, he also says in Luke 6, be merciful as your heavenly Father is mercy. Merciful. Right. And right. so this is, you know, to call her, to, to ask her to have mercy is something that we do for each other. Uh, there might have been a couple times when I asked for the equivalent of mercy before my dad was about to do his song and dance routine. He uh, was the rhythm section and I did the little dance. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> that's back in the uh, days when you, you could still spank a child, but um, yeah. but you know, uh, I, the, you know, humans can show mercy. We often ask for it from one another, and asking it from Our Lady is not anything that should be out of the ordinary. Then no more ordinary than we ask anybody else to show us mercy. Okay. Great. Does that help? Yes, thank you very much. Yeah, and and there's some people who are more merciful than others. Um, again, I grew up with uh, Flash Gordon, uh, where Mean the Merciless was his enemy. Um, we like Mary the Merciful. That's good. That was a clip from Open Line. You can hear Open Line Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern here on The Quest. I'm Elizabeth Ficicelli. We're uh, chatting right now with Father Adrian Plois. He is the pastor over at St. Vincent de Paul Church in Dallas, Georgia. And um, so, Father, back in 2000, I want to correct myself, 2000, uh, you went on World Youth Day in Rome, JP2. I mean, how, how you can't get any better than that, right? JP2 in Rome, uh, World Youth Day. Share that experience you had. I think it's a really cool story. Well, I'll, I'll lead into the story with just a, a funny um, sort of anecdote. We, the Holy Father had arranged for all of the priests to have matching chasubles, so um, I was directed back to the priest vesting area, and there were there were three sort of structures set up. The first was for cardinals, and it had you know beautiful furnishings and everything, and then bishops, a little less elaborate, and then you know the priest vesting area is basically an airplane hangar, and so um, I'm greeted by a very short sister. She looked like she's about four foot ten, and she looked at me. And she she said, American? I said, yes. <laughs> she said, she gestured 
kind of starting a sort of a, a spinning motion with her hand, turn around, turn around, turn around. And then she looked behind her and yelled in Italian, extra large. <laughs> And then she handed me the chasuble. So, but it was searing hot, Elizabeth. It was searing hot. The sun was so uh, merciless. We we're just talking about mercy. Yeah. Um, and the Holy Father had given us all hats to wear, the, the priests, even during Mass, because the Mass was outside. 3.4 million people, Tor Vergata. And there's a 700-foot-wide stage set up, which basically constituted the sanctuary, the bishops, the cardinals, then at the base of the stage, then the infirm, then the priests, then everyone. And there was a young man just on the other side of where the handicap section began. And again, it was so hot that sun was just beating down. And this young man had a, a type of palsy. Mm. I don't know what it was, but he had a, a bottle of water in his hand. But he couldn't get the bottle of water to the top of his head. He wanted to pour that cool water on his head. Mm. And the way the barrier was set up, I couldn't help him with that. But I could take my hat off my head and put it on his head to shield him from the sun. And I decided that even though it was a, a, a hat for priests, he was in the sun, so it didn't matter. He needed the hat. So I put it on his head, and I felt something going through my arms like electricity. And I felt like the Lord spoke to me. Now, it wasn't an audible voice, but in the interior of my being, mm -hmm. he said, Adrian, this is why you were ordained, to relieve suffering, mm -hmm. to relieve suffering. So I'll never forget that. And the whole trip over there would have been worth that. And I knew that intellectually, but the Lord helped me to internalize that, into, you know, integrate it into my very being, that yes. experience. And we need that perpetual, ongoing formation. And sometimes it's extraordinary like that, or sometimes it's a little more subtle. A little whisper, but we, but... we all need that. And, and Catholic radio helps with that, doesn't it? It certainly does, you know. And, and hearing these stories, which I love, and that's what, another thing I love about Catholic radio, is where you hear these stories, you hear the working of the Holy Spirit, guiding people, uh, confirming in people, you know, what God is calling in them. And so please call 4705 8-1160. Go online, thequestatlanta.com, and join this effort, this false spirit drive, so we can continue to support the work that the Holy Spirit is doing. And it's an important work. We're in an important time in our church, as we all know. We're under attack. We, we need to be built up. We need good reasons you know, to, to remember why it's time to stand up for our, our faith, not to leave our faith. So, Father Adrian, you, um, you know, beautiful experience. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, I know you were a parochial vicar at St. Catherine's at your first uh, assignment as a priest uh, in the diocese. Yes. And then you were uh, sent over to St. Vincent de Paul. And uh, first, it was a mission church. Talk about yes. that, mission church to a parish church. Yes, uh, we took over the pastoral care of the St. Vincent de Paul mission, St. Catherine's did, in August of 2001, so right before 9-11. And we took over the care of the church, and uh, I celebrated Holy Mass there in the sacraments, along with some other parochial vicars and our, and our pastor, Father Father Jim Harrison, uh, who's still a priest in the archdiocese, retired, a uh, lovely person. And so we took over the pastoral care of the church at that time. And then later on, uh, maybe a year later, a little less than that, uh, Archbishop Donahue um, he had a, a momentary lapse of reason and he put me in charge of the mission. <laughs> so all of a sudden I was in charge of the mission after only being a priest ordained for a little over three years. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, and then I became pastor in in 2003. And the, the parish grew, and we we grew, I think, in reverence and in and in knowledge of the faith and in holiness. And I always share with the folks, hey, any all the good stuff that happened, God gets the credit. Any mess ups, I, I'll take the credit for those. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, um, because God is a good and merciful God, we did grow, um, and I think the people are being nourished beautifully. And I think our our catechesis is is wonderful right now, and everything is is moving in a very good direction, a holy direction. And speaking of catechesis, you consider yourself, or like to think of yourself, as a teaching priest. So, what do you mean by that? Well, I I like to assume that my congregation uh, would love to go back to basics and, and review things. And, and one has to be very careful when, when you're presenting information from the pulpit, because you don't want the whole sermon, the homily, to be just a big lesson. And you don't want to be condescending. But we did have a period of kind of weak catechesis mm-hmm. in these United States. Mm-hmm. And so I like to just reflect upon basics. Go back to basics. I remember having a conversation with a parishioner once, and she wanted to have her child baptized. And I said, you know, you need to go to the baptism class. She said, I'm a cradle Catholic. I don't need to go to the baptism class. I said, well, uh, can you give me the definition of a sacrament? And she couldn't. I said, well, can you name the seven sacraments? (laughs) And she couldn't. I said, you see, we all need to kind of refresh things. And, and she went to the class and, and learned. But I had to gently, and, and we kind of were kidding each other. And it was a, a moment of laughter. And, you know, she didn't feel slighted. But I kind of had to point out to her that we all need to go back to basics and make sure that we've got a firm foundation. And then we can build on, on that. And, and you're not the only one saying that. Our, our popes, Pope Benedict... And Pope John Paul II both said that we need to get back to the basics. We we're a little miss here. We you know remiss. We need, we need to remember what we've you know, or maybe for the first time being taught. And that's what Catholic Radio does. This is the the kind of calls we were getting for many many years. Is you know I, I went to Catholic school from kindergarten to twelfth grade, and I don't remember ever learning about blah 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 whatever we were talking about you know they are getting a catechesis by listening to this station and stations like this uh for the first time in their life and you know i know in my own work as as an author as a speaker in radio you know i would ask fallen away catholics and say you know how could you have possibly because i'm a convert okay but i'm in 36 years but i'm a convert and i'd ask them how can you possibly walk away from the Eucharist and the, and the sacraments, you know, this this presence of Christ in the church. So, and I would have answers like, "Well, I don't remember really hearing about that in catechesis, or I, I think they presented it to us like as an optional belief." And I'm thinking, "What?" So we we do, as you say, we have evidence that there's been decades of either watered down or just I don't I don't know what, but but Catholics didn't have it, you know, for a long time, and Catholic radio now. Um, comes in and is is doing exactly what you're trying to do at your parish, St. Vincent de Paul, uh, in in Dallas, and 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 teach the basics, and people are responding. Is that what you're seeing at your parish? Absolutely, and um, you know, I, I, you know, to to make fun of myself a little bit, I have kind of a reputation of going on and on and on. <laughs> and you had mentioned, uh, did you mention a hot air balloon earlier? Because sometimes mm-hmm. I'm accused of kind of sending forth hot air from the pulpit. But anyway. <laughs> Um, but because I want to cover so much, I want to share so much. 
And again, you know, not to be shamelessly, perpetually plugging the station, but that's what Catholic radio is about. Then you've got all day, you know, it's your workplace, you're driving, you're listening, you're learning, you're praying, it's integrating. So that's an integrated discipleship. And so when I start talking in the pulpit, I'm like, guys, I just want to keep talking about this because it's so important. And I try to, and I'm I'm not 100% perfect with this, but at the end of every homily, I try to say, as we prepare to receive Jesus, his real presence, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist, because that's the celebration of the Eucharist and the reception of the Eucharist, that communion, that's the source and the summit of our lives as Roman Catholics. And it and it transforms the world. We're entering into the mystery of salvation. We're entering into the mystery of the passion of Christ. Right. And we're there. The veil of time is pulled back. We're there. We're there with Jesus. If people would believe this, it would change their life. And of course, I don't have the power to make them believe, and God doesn't want to make anyone do anything, but he wants to draw them in then their own by their own free will and with the gift of faith, then they say, yes, yes, Lord, I believe. I've come to believe that you are the Son of God. And the real presence, as we're talking here on the Fall Spirit Drive, 470-508-1160, please call in. Um, but, you know, the real presence, Father, we're seeing it so painfully illustrated in that recent Pew study that shows so many Catholics not believing in this real presence. So, um, you know, going back to basics, this is a great place to start, an important part to start, because we know mass attendance is down. You know, we know the church has been shook by things that are going on. And, you know, Catholics, they so many of them have just never grasped this concept. So what? how do you do that with your parishioners? Uh, how do you kind of make that come alive to them that this is Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity? Well, I always present it as a perpetuation of the incarnation and the fulfillment of his promise, I will be with you always, even into the end of days. And I also share with folks during RCIA, which stands for that the right of Christian initiation for adults. So it's the information, the formation that goes on prior to being brought into the church at Easter Vigil, which is the ancient tradition of the church. See, why would, why would Jesus leave us with, as a perpetual gift, something that we had before he came? He gives us the best. He holds nothing back. The proof of that is his, he gives us himself on the cross. He pours himself forth on the cross. And so he gives us himself in this meal. And it's the only meal that we become like. You know, if I eat a cheeseburger, it becomes like me. And there's more of me. You know, more of me to love. But when, when I receive worthily the Eucharist with a contrite heart, with head bowed, then I become more like Jesus. And he so desires for us to become more like him. He so desires that. Oh, so beautiful. Um, I just was handed a note, Father. It says that Betty, a current founder, called to make a donation in honor of Father Adrian. Um, And she said, you are the best homilist she knows. (laughs) Wow. Wow. That's no small compliment. Well, if anyone has insomnia out there, come on by the church, and I will be able to ease you into sleep. (laughs) (laughs) And also, in honor of Father Adrian, I want to give a thank you to Tony and to Rosalina, or Rosalina, who who has called in, probably Rosalina, who have called in to make a donation, also knowing that you've been on with us this hour. Um, We've also had a donation from Patricia out there, too. So thank you so much for calling 470 508-1160 and making your donation to support this fall spirit drive and keep us well on track for our goal. 
And, you know, Father Adrian, we're talking about the Blessed Sacrament, the Real Presence. Why is exposition of the Blessed Sacrament so important in your opinion? I'm so glad you asked that. And I was so, so pleased when I walked into your beautiful facility, your beautiful radio station, that that intimate, beautiful, reverent chapel that you have. And there the Blessed Sacrament was exposed. And we might look at the Blessed Sacrament, we might look at the host elevated during Holy Mass and with just our intellect say, oh, well, that's just bread. But with the eyes of faith, we know that's that's the real presence of Jesus. And when Jesus walked the earth, I would imagine most people when they saw him, they thought, well, he's just a man. But with the eyes of faith, what did St. Peter say, right? Yeah. You you are the Son of God, right? And um, so with the eyes of faith, we know this is Christ. And he's so humble. He comes to us so simply in, in the form of something that nourishes us. But obviously, not just materially, spiritually. And doesn't just nourish, but transforms yeah. and lifts us up. Lifts us out of fear and worry and anxiety. Lifts us out of unforgiveness. Now, who can forget that passage in Scripture when Peter was beginning to sink beneath the, the water, which really happened, but also represented evil and chaos and death. And he called out, Lord, save me. And it says, immediately Jesus extended his hand right. and drew Peter up. He didn't take his time. He didn't review, think about it, reflect upon it. Immediately, he extended his hand and drew him out of that darkness and, and anxiety and fear and doubt. You know, Father, you are touching hearts right now because we had another call come in as you were speaking. A current founder, Elizabeth B., donated $100 extra today in honor of Father Adrian, who also says he is the best homeless around here. <laughs> so much as you think you're putting people to sleep, Father, you evidently are not. You're capturing their their uh, their their hearts and their minds in, in the words that the Lord is using to speak through you. And speaking of that, you know, we, we're talking about the, the Eucharist, and I know we're kind of winding down this hour, but this is an important story, too, that I want you to touch on. Um, I know you as a priest, not only have your people exposed to the Blessed Sacrament, you know, the, both ways, but you as a priest go before him as well, and you yes. go for inspiration, yes, and course, you yes. get it, you know, so oh, yes. chat a little bit about that. Well, I, I wanted to share with you um, my experience of bringing communion to the sick, and and. I started this practice, I just, I guess the Spirit just moved me to this, asking the Lord, like, Lord, I'm, you know I'm going to the hospital, you know I'm going to the nursing homes, and and I think that I'm supposed to bring eight hosts or four hosts or three hosts, whatever it is. By the way, for those listening who don't know, the host is the what looks like a wafer, what looks like bread, but it is the real presence of Jesus. So a miniature little piece of bread, round in shape, with a cross on it, that's called the host. So how many of these... Uh, should I bring, Lord? And he'll tell me. Now, again, I don't hear an audible voice, mm-hmm. but I get a sense. Mm-hmm. And two quick stories. So the other day, I was going to the nursing home, mm-hmm. and I was going to bring the Eucharist to a friend of mine, and then I was going to go to the home of an elderly person who's infirm. And I said, Lord, how many? And he said, uh, Adrian, none. And mm-hmm. I thought, well, this must be a deception. Mm-hmm. So I asked him again, Lord, I, I just want to make sure. How many? None. And I asked him a third time, how many? None. So, okay. So I went to the nursing home. Guess what? Another friend of mine, who's an extraordinary minister of Holy Communion, had already brought my friend communion an hour before. And he was at the very mass that I just (laughs) celebrated. He brought her communion. He knew she was in the hospital. Then I was ready to go see the other person. I was about to call her up. I thought, I'll go back to the church. 
and I'll get the uh, picks and go bring her communion. But then I had an emergency call to anoint someone at a hospital. She was unconscious. She couldn't have received. There you go. And so, and I have like dozens of these stories. Oh my gosh. I love it. And I'm sure you're loving it too as you're listening. So please, 470-508-1160. And we want to thank so many people have been calling this hour. Father, you're rocking it because we've had so many calls, uh, so much generosity this hour. So people are really responding to the words you've been saying. And we want to thank you so much, Father Adrian Ployce, for sharing your story, for spending this hour with you, for inspiring the giving. Uh, Can you leave us with your blessing, please? Certainly. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Let us bow our heads and pray for God's blessing. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we pray that you fill all at this station and all who are listening with your love, your mercy, your transforming grace. Fill them with faith, hope, and love. Increase them, Lord, that they may share with the world your love, your truth, and your mercy. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. Thank you, Father Adrian. God bless you. We're going to send you back to your parish and to your good work that you're doing. Thank you so much for joining us. My honor. And uh, keep listening and keep your parishioners listening. This is Elizabeth Ficicelli. Uh, Wow, what a great time. I can't believe how fast the time goes. We're coming up for the final hour of the Quest Spirit.